All who come to this happy place, welcome. Disneyland is your land. Here age relives fond memories of the past. I'm a real boy! You want thingamabobs? I got 20. 10,000 years will give you such a crick in the neck. We This is the Magic on a Dollar podcast with David Dollar. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Magic on a Dollar podcast. My name is Dave and I'm your host for the next few minutes. We'll be talking a little bit about Disney like we always do. I like to call this Disney conversations in a podcast form where, like most of my life, I like to talk and not let anybody else say anything. So it'll be just me for a little while, but we'll talk about some Disney stuff. Got some Disney news coming up, and we're going to talk all about Hollywood Studios. Mentioned last week, I wanted to kind of get into the history of Hollywood Studios, maybe kind of give you a quick rundown. We'll see what time we're looking at here. I don't want to go too too long and keep you too long from whatever it is else you're doing. Uh, but we do want to talk Infinity Wars as well. We'll talk Avengers Infinity Wars and what a monster movie that has become over the last week or so, and maybe do a review this week, maybe we'll do it next week, I haven't quite decided, we'll get there, we'll get there. This is episode number 27 of the Magic on a Dollar podcast, and again, my name is David Dollar, and thank you so much for joining me. Um, the show is sponsored by MyResumeLady.com. If you have a resume question, you have a marketing question, a LinkedIn question, uh, contact my friend Amy Campbell. She has learned more and forgotten more about LinkedIn than I will ever know, and than probably you will ever know. It is a very useful app, and she's had a lot of success with it and helping clients with it. Same thing with the resume, same thing with marketing. MyResumeLady.com. Just email Amy at Amy at MyResumeLady.com, and she'll be happy to help you, and you'll be glad that you did. So let's talk a little bit of news, first of all. We'll just dive right in, and we'll kind of talk some um, talk some Animal Kingdom, some Magic Kingdom, stuff like that. Um, Donald's Dino Bash over in Animal Kingdom is going to have eight character meet-and-greet stations, and that's a big deal because when you walk into Animal Kingdom, you walk as you're walking across the bridge, and, and, and I'll kind of describe this for you for people who aren't very familiar with, with Animal Kingdom. You go into Animal Kingdom, you go up the hill around a corner, you kind of go around a little, a little like wooded area. It's called the Oasis, basically, and you cross over a bridge, and you take a right, and you can head into Dino Land. Dino Land is an area set up for dinosaurs. I mean, it's an area set up for, you know, to kind of, uh, kind of, the whole prehistoric thing is kind of what they're all about there. And they have an area called Chester and Hester's, uh, you know, roadside attractions. And what that is, and, and, and I've had people ask me about that. Why does it look so run down and shoddy? Well, the story behind that, if you walk into Dino Land, you'll see a paved road there. It looks like a highway. The story behind that is Chester and Hester came sometime in the 50s or 60s to set up a roadside fair with all kinds of little games and gadgets and little, you know, parlor games and whack-a-mole and squirt the gun and shoot the little things so you can get to win prizes and so on and so forth. Um, and, you know, it, it, things got run down and because bigger highway, highways were built and Chester and Hester basically have kept it going as long as they could. And so you're seeing the roadside attraction. You're seeing what is there at Animal Kingdom. Uh, you're seeing what's there at, uh, at Dino Land, the Chester and Hester's roadside stuff. And that's why everything looks a little kitschy and you can win, like, stuffed animals and things like that. That's why that's there. So they're going to be doing something this summer called Donald's Dino Bash. And this is uh, going to debut on May 25th. Um, it's not really an attraction. It's more of just of a thing that's happening. And uh, they're going to have different like shows and things like that. Donald will be out there. But there will be several meet and greets going on as well. Um, Mark Renfro, the show director with Disney Parks Live Entertainment, said that Donald's Dino Bash will be discovering that birds are related to dinosaurs. They'll be throwing a big party, which means Donald will be inviting all of his friends because Donald is, is Donald Luck. And I, I love the fact that Donald Luck is getting so much attention. This is cool. Um, before, uh, Goofy and Pluto were there. They were in a meet and greet. But now Donald will be there. Chip and Dale will be there. Scrooge McDuck will be there. 
as well as Launchpad McQuack. So that whole area is going to have uh, different different characters and stuff, and I'm sure the other characters will be coming in as well. But Launchpad from DuckTales and Scrooge McDuck, that's, those are great characters. Those are cool characters to meet. Those are characters you don't get to meet very often. So if you're in Dino Land, if you're at Animal Kingdom, make sure you stop over there after May 25th and, and meet the new characters, which will be really, really cool. And the Dino Bash is going to be going on all summer and past the summer. Now, there are, of course, other character meet-and-greets in the area as well. Flights of Wonder has been changed to the new Up show. It's like a bird show, and I can't remember the title of it off the top of my head. Russell is there from Up, and I think Kevin is there, maybe Carl or Doug or whatever, and there's like a bird show. I would I would go see that. I would I would definitely check that out. Um, I don't know how well the characters interact. Uh, before, the flight was great. The show was great. Flights of Wonder was a, sh- was a bird show where somebody would come out, and there would be birds interacting on stage, and I got to go on stage and, you know, be a part of the show and everything, so it's really cool. I don't know what the new show looks like, but I'd encourage you to go see it as well. Um, of course, over in Pandora, the world of Avatar, they've added a brand new character experience where you got a guy in kind of one of the roving robot suits. So the guy in the robot suit's kind of walking around taking pictures and stuff, and, and that's, that's what it is in the movie, uh, the, the, the robot suit guy in the movie. So that's happening over at Animal Kingdom, and of course you've got Doug and Russell there. That's They're meeting at Animal Kingdom as well. So you've got an abundance of character meet and greets, but the big ones are in Donald, uh, Donald's Dino Bash. I can't wait to get down there and meet uh, Launchpad McQuack. I've never seen him in the park. I know he's been there before, but I've never seen him, so that's going to be pretty, pretty cool. Speaking of movies... Over there, um, Disney has now released their 2018-2019 complete schedule. So all the movies that are coming out, uh, we know Infinity War just came out. Solo, A Star Wars Story will be coming out May 25th. Incredibles 2 comes out June 15th. Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, July 6th. Christopher Robin, if you haven't seen the trailer for that, it's it's kind of cute. It's interesting. Uh, on, April, on August the 3rd, The Nutcracker and the Four Realms. So we go from September and October with no Disney movies over to November 2nd, The Nutcracker and the Four Realms. I don't know a lot about this other than The Nutcracker. And of course, we're seeing what the uh, what the uh, uh, the trailer looks like. We've seen that a couple of times. It looks very mysterious and very cool. Ralph breaks the internet. That's Rick at Ralph two, November twenty first. Mary Poppins returns on December twenty fifth. Jumping into twenty nineteen, Captain Marvel, March 9th, twenty nineteen. If you haven't seen Avengers, Avengers: Infinity War, this is one to watch. Uh, Captain Marvel, so uh, just pay attention to that. Dumbo, March 29th of next year. Penguins, I think it's a new... That could be one of those Disney nature documentaries. I'm not really sure off the top of my head. April 19th uh, of next year. May 3rd, Avengers number 4, the Untitled Avengers sequel, whatever it's called. It's coming out May 3rd, and it cannot get here quick. Quickly enough. Let me just tell you. May 24th, the new Aladdin live-action movie. And that is subject to change because depending on how well Avengers does, I don't know they'll want to throw Aladdin in that quickly. We'll see what happens. Um, the reason they actually had Infinity War uh, to come out on May the, May the 4th of this year, they moved it back to April 27th because they wanted to give it an extra week to kind of gestate before Solo comes out at the end of May. So we'll see what happens with that. They can't move Aladdin too far in the future, though, because June 21st, Toy Story 4. Looking forward to that. The live-action Lion King coming out sometime in July 2019. Artemis Fowl, uh, remake on that. Disney's take on that tale, August 19th of 2019. Frozen 2, November 27th, 2019. And Star Wars Episode Nine, the untitled Star Wars trilogy sequel, December the 19th of 2019. So we'll see what happens with all of that. Those are your movies updates. That's kind of get those on your calendar. Uh, you want some more dates? Let me give you some more dates here. Uh, they have released the... The new schedule for the Disney After Hours at Magic Kingdom it gets you into the park from 7 p.m. Uh, on up. Even if even though the event may not start until 8 or 9, you can get into the park at 7. The park will close, and then you, with your After Hours ticket, you can stay in the park for an extra three hours. And, and I've told this story before, 
But you just have to know that I'm like that uncle at a party who tells the same story five or six times because there might be one person in the room that hasn't heard it. That's me. So I've told the I've talked about after hours before, but just to kind of give you a recap, it is a it is a three hour event. Uh, costs about one nineteen or so um, for advanced purchase, one twenty five for the day of. Uh, pass holders can get a discounted rate. DVC members get a discounted rate as well. Theme park admission is not required. So if you have this ticket only, you can get in at around seven p.m. Again, they open the park for an extra three hours, and you get to ride pretty much everything. And the trick of it is they only sell a certain amount of tickets. So I want to say they sell anywhere from three to 5,000 tickets, which sounds like a lot of people. But once you consider the Magic Kingdom holds anywhere from seventy-five to 90,000 people on a very full day, 5,000 people is not a lot of people. I've heard stories of this where people actually will literally they'll spend five to ten minutes and not see a single guest not even see anybody other than cast members that work there uh, before they run into somebody because it's that sparse, it's that empty. Magic Kingdom is a, it's a fairly big place. So you can put 5,000 people. Once you put people in rides, once you get people in queues and stuff, uh, and everything's open. I think Hall of Presidents, Tom Sawyer Islands, Treehouse, maybe those things aren't open, but all the other rides are open. I really want to do this. I'm hoping that I can. Uh, extra Magic Hours for Disney Resort guests are not impacted by this. Disney After Hours events takes place on non-Magic Hour nights. The 11 dates for the summer are June 28th, 30th, July 7th, July 9th, 14th, 20th, and 21st, July 28th, August 4th, August 11th, and August 30th. I thought I had seen a date sometime in September, but I could be wrong about that. But those are your summer dates going on for the uh, for the thing. So this is kind of cool, actually, because if you're in town or maybe, you, um, maybe you're maybe you in town for, for a couple of whatevers, a, a conference or something like that, you have a night to spare. You can actually go do the Magic Kingdom stuff that night. Also, maybe if you have a two-day ticket and you're thinking you want to go to Epcot, Animal Kingdom, or Hollywood to do Toy Story Land or something, and you're like, how am I going to get to the how am I going to get to Magic Kingdom if I'm doing these other things? You can take this as a night and go over there to Magic Kingdom and you know spend the evening Magic Kingdom from seven o'clock to midnight, things like that. Uh, uh, some of these hours are as late as like one a.m. I believe the um, uh, the, the July dates, the seven nine fourteen twenty one twenty eight, and those dates actually. Um, 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. So you can actually get into the park at 7, and you have three hours to kill at the Magic Kingdom. Enjoy the fireworks and everything, just like your regular day-paying guests, and then you have the park to yourself for three hours, which is pretty cool. I really want to do this. The more I talk about it, the more I want to do this now. Uh, that sounds awesome. Now, they are starting something brand new uh, over in Disney Springs at, at Walt Disney World. I am not a drinker. I don't drink alcohol. Really, let's be honest with you. It's not a faith thing. It's not a moral thing or anything like that. I have no problem with people drinking. I don't like the taste of it, and it's expensive. But I know a lot of people that do, and I know a lot of people that enjoy a good glass of bourbon. Disney Springs has announced on May 1st they are opening up the brand new bourbon trail. Guests 21 and older can discover bourbon-inspired beverages and food pairings among the many shops and restaurants at Disney World at Disney Springs. Each of the drinks on the Disney Springs bourbon trail has been paired with a dish, and then you can find a map that shows where everything is. Pick up my bourbon trail passport with all the info, and I think you probably get stickers or stamps or something like that. You actually can start at the House of Blues, uh, Splitsville, Bongo's Cuban Cafe, Yasaki, uh, Planet Hollywood Observatory, STK Orlando, Enzo's Hideaway, the Edison, Paradiso 37, the Ganacherie, Raglan Road Irish Pub, Jack Lindsay's Hangar Bar, the Boathouse, the Paddlefish, the Polite Pig, Frontier Cochina, Deluxe Burger, Chef Art's Homecoming. Those are all on the trail of the Bourbon Trail, and I'm going to assume 
there's going to be very few people that will make it the entire trail, at least in the first day, or at least in one day, because that's a lot. <laughs> you could take a walk or even a stumble through the bourbon trail. That's what that's like 18, uh, 18 different places to get bourbon there at Disney Springs on the bourbon trail. I don't recommend doing all of them. Maybe doing one or two or three if you can help it. I hope they have lots of designated drivers because that's a whole heck of a lot. So there you go. That's the bourbon trail. Disney history, uh, nothing too fancy that's happening uh, this week in Disney history, but some fun stuff here. 2004, Twilight Zone Tower of Terror had the grand opening at Disney's California Adventure. Similar in concept and theme to the original attraction, which was in Florida. It was uh, redesigned in order to conserve a little bit of space, so it takes up less space in Disneyland than it did at Disney World. And now it takes up even less space because the Tower of Terror is no longer there. It's the same building, same concept, but now they have the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy uh, breakout, uh, mission breakout attraction, which I've not been on. I don't think the name is very good. I think it's kind of a kind of a kind of a kitschy name, but I've heard the ride is fantastic. I've heard the ride is just phenomenal. So I, I look forward to taking care of, uh, taking that on whenever I get out to Disneyland once again. May 6th this week in Disney history, the second New World Showcase Pavilion added to the original roster up in Norway. Norway has a soft opening at Epcot this week in 1988, the 11th overall to be built. It has the Fjording Shop, uh, Puffin's Roost Shop, the Kringla Bakery, Oj Cafe Restaurant. I just made that up. I didn't make that up. I read that off the off the computer. I don't know that I... I did not practice that, so I don't know if I got that right. The Kringla Bakery, Oj Cafe Restaurant. And the restaurant Akershus, the pavilion is a replica of a medieval wooden church and officially dedicated over in July. Maelstrom would kick off in July 5th, 1988. Of course, now that has, attraction is a frozen attraction. It's been there a couple of years. Um, which, it, uh, you know... Fast passes for that are still hot pocket. They're still uh, they're still pretty in demand. So if you want to ride the frozen attraction, I would get your fast passes fairly early. Uh, of course, we are now a less about a month away, less than two months away from Toy Story Land opening. Fast passes are now open for those. So if you're going to take a trip and you're 60 days out, you will be able to get fast passes for the Alien Swirling Saucer, the Slinky Dog Dash Coaster, and of course Toy Story Mania. Um, and I've mentioned before that they're, they're, Hollywood Studios is tiered, so you get one out of those and you get two out of uh, out of the rest of the attractions, and which is pretty cool because before Hollywood Studios had a Rock and Roller Coaster up in that first tier. And you had to pick between Toy Story Mania and Rock and Roller Coaster, which was a tough thing because most people wanted both. Now you pick one of your Toy Story attractions, and then you can do Rock and Roller Coaster or Tower of Terror, or you can do Star Tours, or you can do you know something else for your Fast Passes. I did Fast Passes this morning. This is why it's on top of my head. This is why it's on my brain because I did Fast Passes for a family this morning and was able to get the Slinky Dog Dash Coaster. Now I actually was online. Fast Passes opened up um, at, at sixty days out at six a.m. Central, seven a.m. Eastern. I was online, and in less than ten seconds, I was already clicking the button for. Um, for the Hollywood Studios uh, Slinky Dog Dash Coaster, and their first available was 4.45 in the evening. That's how fast they went. Uh, and that's how fast I am when it comes to that, by the way. I'm pretty good with fast passes. Hollywood Studios is one of those parks... It's kind of in transition, and it's it's some of the some of the criticism in the last couple of years is the fact that they charge a full price for Hollywood Studios, and it's only like half a park. And it's true. There's some stuff to do in Hollywood Studios. I love Hollywood Studios. You've got, you know, Rock and Roller Coaster, and you've got the Tower of Terror, and you've got Star Tours, you've got the Voyage of the Little Mermaid, uh, the Indiana Jones show, um, you know, the, the Frozen Sing-Along, which is my favorite show on property. You've got all those great attractions. Toy Story Mania is over there as well, and... That's it. I mean, there's only like four or five major rides there and some shows and stuff, uh, and they're still charging like $100 a day for a ticket, which business-wise, I don't know that Disney could reduce price on tickets. and can t- I don't know that they, that they could feasibly do that. I think we all want them to do that, but I don't know that they could. 
but it has been kind of a half-day park for a while. With Toy Story Land opening up in June, though, that's a big deal. It's a big step towards making this park into what it's going to be. Uh, it opened up on MGM as MGM Studios in May 1989. And originally, um, Imagineers Marty Sklar, Randy Bright, and Michael Eisner, and of course Michael Eisner was CEO of the company, they had this great idea to open up pavilions in Epcot up in Future World. They were going to open those pavilions, and one was going to be called the Great Moments at the Movies Pavilion. It was going to sit between the land and the Journey into Imagination Pavilion. And if you're walking towards, say, Soar, and you go to Epcot, you walk past the, the big ball, the spaceship bar, take a right, over there in the corner, uh, over there straight ahead of you then, is uh, is the land where Soar it is. Over on the right side is the seas, and over on the left is Journey to Imagination. And there's kind of an area up there, there's a building up there too, and that was going to be the great moments at the movies pavilion. With the idea was gonna, they were going to have a sound stage and a movie theater and things like that. And Michael Eisner was like, hey, why don't we make this into a park? Because he had gotten wind that right down the road, Universal was building their own park. And they were like, well, you know what? We can build a park, too. Let's make this happen. So they, they dug out 135 acres. Um, they were going to make it into a, a park dedicated to film, television, music, and theater, drawing inspiration from the golden age of Hollywood. Now, originally, it was an operating production studio. Now, they were actually filming movies there. They were actually doing things there. Some of the things that were done there in 1988, uh, the first feature-length movies filmed at the facility in that area uh, were Ernest Saves Christmas and Newsies. When the park opened in 1989, the production facilities had two major components. The first was Walt Disney Feature Animation, where they did Mulan, Lilo and Stitch, Brother Bear. They did sequences from other movies in the early, like late 90s and early 2000s. The second was Walt Disney Studios Florida, which was actually a real working movie studio. They did the Mickey Mouse Club there. They did uh, Teen Win, uh, I'm sorry, Teen Win, Lose Your Draw, Adventures in Wonderland, some TV series there. They also did Superboy, um, an old television show from there. Uh, the 1988-89 season of MTV's Remote Control. Remember that show? That was filmed there. Thunder in Paradise with Hulk Hogan was done there. Revival of Let's Make a Deal, certain broadcasts of Wheel of Fortune. Um, the inner airplane sequences of Passenger 57. They were doing World uh, World Championship Wrestling, which WCW. I'm a big wrestling fan. So live broadcasts of Monday Nitro were there. Um, they had all kinds of things going on there. Eventually, however, the uh, the backstage studio a lot was eventually closed. They downsized the operations by closing the animation studio and moving everything over to Burbank, California. Now, when the park opened in May 1989, the Great Movie Ride and the Studio Backlot, Backlot Tour were the only rides to open in the park. But they eventually opened some other stuff. Can you imagine going to a theme park like that? There's only two rides going on there. They wanted to, they wanted it open. Michael Eisner wanted this thing open quickly because, again, he wanted to beat Universal uh, Studios. And there was some trouble there. there Because before, Walt Disney, Walt Disney himself, and even Roy Disney to a point, were actually, they were very giving. They were very happy to help other studios. They share technology. They shared, you know, workers and ideas. They had meetings, things like that. Walt Disney didn't care. He knew what he wanted his park to be. If you wanted to build your park, that's cool. Can I help you? Sure, whatever. Eisner was not like that. Eisner was like, we're going to build this park the way we want to build it, and we're going to build it ahead of them. We're going to beat them to the punch, and they did. Universal Studios was not happy about that either. August 1989, Indiana Jones' epic stunt spectacular opened up. Star Tours opened up in December of that year. Muppet Vision 3D opened up in 1991. The Voyage of the Little Mermaid opened across the park in 1992. 94, more rides joined up. Uh, Tower of Terror came in uh, along the new Sunset Boulevard. 
They were, uh, they were actually building the Theater of the Stars there, which had three little short shows, eventually finding the permanent show there, which is Beauty and the Beast, live on stage. So that's at the Theater of the Stars there, over close to Tower of Terror. Fantasmic was opened up and uh, was held in the Hollywood Hills Amphitheater. It's over there behind Tower of Terror and Theater of the Stars. It's uh, specifically built for Fantasmic. It's uh, opening up in October of 1998, built to accommodate up to 7,000 people. It's basically 3,000 more people than the one over in Disney World. 1999, Rock and Roller Coaster opened up. It's the one starring Aerosmith, as you say. In the fall of 2001, Walt Disney's One Man's Dream opened up, featuring memorabilia from Disney archives. You can also get a glimpse into his life. You can see his actual working studio. And at one time there, you actually could see his office. They they didn't just recreate it. They took his office and they put it there for viewing. I love One Man's Dream. It's one of my favorite attractions. It's a hidden gem. It really is. And I think if you're at Hollywood Studios... Even if you're not that big into Disney history, go go walk through there and just see kind of the stuff, some of the stuff that's done. They showed some some old school cameras and stuff on how they built layers and everything in animation because even you know back in the day, animation for Walt Disney World was was cutting edge. Even like the 40s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, the things they were doing was advanced and far beyond anything else anybody else was doing. And you see some camera work there. You'll see mock-ups of the different parks and stuff. What you know what? Uh, what Adventureland was going to look like if Walt Disney had his way, and you'll see you know different castle setups and things like that. And even towards the end of One Man's Dream, right now, you can see a mock-up of Toy Story Land and a mock-up of Star Wars: Galaxy's Edge. So you'll see all that there. Um, the 2001 saw Playhouse Disney live on stage. That's what it used to be called the uh, the Disney Junior shows. Playhouse Disney. Playhouse Disney. Parents probably remember that because that was the old theme song. Um, Introduced over there at Animation Courtyard. And uh, 1998, Bear the Big Blue House took over in 1999 of that area. Eventually, the show was revamped whenever Playhouse Disney became Disney Junior. And it became Disney Junior live on stage up in 2011. And they basically changed it up a little bit to incorporate new new characters and new things because Disney Junior is always changing. Uh, I think the last time I saw it, Handy Manny was there. I think it's probably going to have Sophia and probably Doc McStuffin and maybe even, you know, um, um, oh, what's her name? The princess, the, 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 uh, Alina, Alina of Avalor. I'm not a fan of Alina of Avalor. I'm just not. The, the music annoys me. Uh, August 2007, Walt Disney World Meg Cro- President Meg Crofton decided that Disney MGM Studios would officially be renamed Hollywood Studios. The MGM was gone. There are still people that use MGM for the title of Hollywood Studios, which I think is insane. Uh, It's been 11 years. Come on, people. Get with it. You can do this. A short renaissance of the park took place in the years that followed with the addition of Disney Pixar Block Party Bash, Toy Story Midway Mania, and the American Idol Idol Experience showing up in 2011. Uh, Star Tours was updated to Star Tours The Adventures Continue. Um, And in 2014, that's when things kind of had a turnaround. Um... Because attractions started closing. Uh, they started taking attractions away because that's when they really sold into building the Star Wars land and the and the stuff like that. American Idol Experience closed in August of 2014. The Backlot Tour closed in September. And then the Legend of Captain Jack Sparrow closed in November, which Jack Sparrow was kind of a short-lived thing. There you go in there and you... Uh, you know, go in there and you, uh, uh, you know, you do a piratey thing and you get to see the pirate stuff. And there's Jack Sparrow and whatever. It was kind of cute. It was kind of fun. It was a lot of standing and a little bit of walking. It was kind of, kind of a, uh, you know, kind of irritating. I, I didn't enjoy it that much, so I'm okay that it's gone. Uh, but that disappeared in November of 2014. So whatever. The sorcerer's hat. Everybody loves the sorcerer's hat. Sorcerer's hat was that big hat that was right there in the middle of of Hollywood Studios showed up around 2001 i believe the, for the millennial i think um the intention was to leave it up for about 18 months the recession hit recession after 9 11 
uh, it hit a lot of things. And I don't think people really fully understand with a company like Disney, how big of an impact it had on Disney. And I know it had an impact on other major companies as well, but Disney had to put off so many projects. There were rumors of a Monsters, Inc. ride over in Hollywood Studios, resembling the one over in... Uh, uh, Disneyland. There were rumors of building things over in France. There was rumors of the uh, the Sorcerer's Hat. It was going to go away. They were going to build something else there. There were room- all these rumors of all these different things. Pop Century was supposed to be two parts, and they had to be scrapped, which now, of course, we know as Art of Animation. But uh, I mean, 9-11 really, really hurt Disney uh, big time. So the Sorcerer's Hat stayed there until 2015, which is funny because a lot of people uh, a lot of people only knew the Sorcerer's Hat, and they were going, and the people who are 20 years old, 25 years old now, they were young when that thing was put up, and that's what they remembered. Uh, I was okay with it coming down, but a lot of people weren't, but it did come down in September of 2015. Uh, Bob Iger hinted at another name change at the park, maybe changing it to Hollywood, something else, or Cinemagic Park, or Imagination Park, or whatever. Uh, they finally came out this year in February and denied that. Iger released a statement and was like, we're not going to change the name of the park which is good because that, that would have driven me nuts. In 2016, uh, more closures came along. The Streets of America, that backlot tour, um, the uh, uh, the Lights, Motors, Action, Extreme Stunt Show went away as well. Um, the very loved Earful Tower, the Earful Tower, and of course in 2017, the Great Movie Ride went away. And that was, that was tough because we... I really like the great movie ride. I really, really did. So let me kind of give you a walkthrough real quick of what the lands are at Hollywood Studios. You'll kind of know kind of a walkthrough of the park. Hollywood Boulevard is, you, is the main entrance. You walk up there. It's, it's like the Main Street USA of Hollywood Studios. You get, you've got themed streetscape facades and venues selling Disney merchandise and park services. Um, you'll go through the main gate, which is kind of looks like a Pan Pacific Auditorium kind of thing. So you walk through there, you'll see Mickey on top of a tower there kind of spinning. It's the crossroads of the World Tower. There will be live streets entertainment and such. And at the very far end of the street, you'll see a replica, an exact replica of Grauman's Chinese Theater um, close to the entrance of the Animation Courtyard. The Brown Derby, Brown Derby Restaurant is at the end of Hollywood Boulevard as well. It's a very famous restaurant uh, themed to the original Brown Derby Restaurant in Hollywood, California. If you're ever curious about Brown Derby, go to, go there. Go in there, and don't, you don't have to eat anything. Just find a server or find a and say, hey, can you tell me a little bit about this restaurant? And they will tell you. They will give you the grand tour to tell you all about it. Echo Lake is inspired by the relocation of a similar name designed to mimic the California crazy form of architecture from Hollywood's Golden Age. Three major attractions here at Echo Lake. The uh, Star Tours Adventures Continue, uh, which is set in the Star Wars universe. The Jedi Training Trials of the Temple, which is a live-action stage show getting children to come up and be Padawan learners and receive lightsaber training from a Jedi Master. And the Indiana Jones Epic Stunt Spectacular is also there recreating scenes from Raiders of the Lost Ark while also showing how the film stunts are performed. It's, it's a fun show. It's a great show. It's a lot of fun being over there. The Hyperion Theater is also over there too and the first time in forever a Frozen sing-along celebration is there. I, I love that. I love Frozen sing-along. Um, not just because I like the music but because it's a funny show and I think people... They're like, well, I don't really like, I don't really like Frozen. I'm so tired of let it go. First of all, you're a monster. Second of all, it's a great show and it's a lot of fun. Don't don't get so caught up in the whole like show itself. Just to go and enjoy the laughter, enjoy the the narrators or what make it. They make jokes the whole time. They they have a good time with it. So I definitely encourage you to do that. Um, 
Star Wars Path of the Jedi is there as well. They have an ABC Sound Studio, and of course that was used for something else back in the day, but now it's called Star Wars Path of the Jedi. You can kind of go in and see a film, kind of a quick uh, little film clips from all the all the Star Wars movies showing the Path of the Jedi. Uh, Commissary Lane is behind there, and that connects Hollywood Boulevard to Muppets Courtyard. Um, ABC Commissary is there. The Sci-Fi Dining Theater Restaurant is also there as well. It's uh, it got car-themed tables and a large movie screen with continuous clips of science fiction films from the 50s. Grand Avenue is kind of themed as a historic district inspired by the real location of the same name in Los Angeles, California. Uh, Muppet Vision 3D is there as well. I, I love Muppet Vision. I will always love Muppet Vision. It's a 3D show. It's a little dated, a little old. Um, the ending scene, I'm not, it's a spoiler, whatever, the ending scene where the wall collapses and you see Kermit sitting on a ladder of a fire truck backing up into the, backing up into the theater. It's all on the screen. The wall doesn't really collapse. Settle down. Um, it's very dated. You look in the back, you see people in the back, uh, in the, the back of the scene, and they're holding like old school Mickey Mouse balloons and they're dressed like from 1997. It's just, it's, it's, it's funny. Um, Grand Avenue also has Pizza Rizzo. Uh, Pizza Rizzo, it's a Brooklyn-style pizza restaurant owned by Rizzo the Rat, which is next to Mama Melrose's Ristorante Italiano. Okay, two things. Pizza Rizzo, I've never been there. It used to be the pizza called Pizza Planet. Now it's Pizza Rizzo. I've heard it's terrible. I've never been. So please don't email me and don't come at me, bro, and tell me all I'm wrong and everything. I don't know. I've never been, but I've heard it's not good. Mama Melrose Restaurant's an Italian place, you know, spaghetti and pasta and pizzas and things like that. I, I'm, I'm not a fan of it. My wife loves it. She thinks it's great. I've been there three times. I don't know that I'll ever go again because I just don't think it's very good. Um... Anyway, so that's me. Grand Park was originally going to be Muppet Studios. That was the original plan for it. They were going to do a whole Muppet area. So not just Muppet Vision 3D. They were going to have a, a themed restaurant and a Muppet Dark Ride parody of the great movie ride. But when Jim Henson died, the, the Henson family did not get along with Disney very well. And Jim Henson did, but he was in charge because he was Jim Henson. When, they, when he passed away, the Henson family was not a fan of Disney. They kind of butted heads a lot, so that never, ever happened. Um, the Muppet theme section actually became a part of the former Streets of America area, which had several attractions in that area as well, um, which it was, the Streets of America were cool because they had the, the, it was like a working movie studio. You walk in, you have these big facades of these big buildings. You could see where, you know, there's like a fake subway entrance over here and, you know, buildings and such. And there was like a, like something you could stand in front of, which kind of had a backdrop of a New York or a, a San Francisco skyline. Uh, that was going to be a component, uh, that was a component of the inaugural studio backlot tour. Uh, where you could take a backlot tour ride, basically. Well, backlot tour. This is old school because it's closed, and I, I love the backlot tour. But at the very beginning of it, they showed you how um, how movies were made, like big things. So they would get they would get um, volunteers from the audience, and so you would go in, and they needed like four or five people, and three or four of you would be on the ship, and one of you would be in charge of like the water, basically. Um, the whole premise was that you were on a military navy ship on top of the ship or whatever, and there was you know fighters coming at you, and the ship was sinking or whatever. So this huge bucket of water, and I'm talking probably like 100, 200, 300 gallons of water would dump on you. Um, you know there'd be water flying up everywhere and everything, and you're having the, the person behind you is telling you what to do. You know, act scared, run around, do this, whatever, do this, whatever. It was a lot of fun. I've done it once. They hit, they have you in an airtight suit, so like none of my clothes even got wet, which was cool because I was the one that had the 100 gallons. Of water dumped on me, uh, dumped on top of my head or whatever. So it was kind of fun. So you do all that, you enjoy that show, and it, the graphics on it were not very good because the audience was seeing the the quote unquote movie that was made, and you'd see the airplanes coming flying in, you know, shooting or whatever. The graphics looked terrible, uh, but it was fun. 
After that, you go get on this little bus, this little tram, and it would kind of take you around and show you, you know, I think a disaster can- cast- catastrophe canyon, I think. It was like a canyon that you'd go through, and it was rumbling, and rocks were falling, and water was splashing like it was a, like it was a disaster movie. Um, you know, you'd ride around. you see props for movies, like real props from the, from the original movies. There was props from Return of the Jedi. There was a ship from... Um, from Flight of the Navigator, there was um, there was something from Back to the Future, like real props, which is pretty cool. You actually took a tour around, not into, but around uh, Elvis Presley's <laughs> jet, which was kind of fun. Uh, so that was all there as well, and so you got to see a lot of that. Um, but unfortunately, that's that's all closed. That is all gone. Pixar Place is the other area too, dedicated to films and characters created by Pixar, with uh, the area resembling the animation studio Emeryville, California location. So you kind of sense a trend here. A lot of the stuff is is molded around spots in California. It's almost like a Florida version of California Adventure, which is kind of, I guess, what it's supposed to be. Um, many of the former sound stages were used by the park there when it operated as an active production studio. So as you walk through, you'll see, you know, this set being primed for something else or whatever. And those were actually those were actually studios. And the Backlot Tour would actually take you through some of these. There's a costuming area it would take you through, and there was like a... At one point, I think you could actually... Like, you would drive past or ride past uh, an actual animation studio. I actually saw people working on... Was it Brother Bear? Maybe it was Lilo and Stitch. One of the one of the movies that were up that was upcoming at that time. I saw them actually working on that movie, which was pretty cool because the the, the whoever it was 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 doing the narration. You know, if you look if you look to your left, you will see so and so 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 animators. They are currently working on the new production of blah blah blah, released October of twenty sixteen or whatever it is. I don't know. Uh, so that guy. Um, they also had a Luxo Jr. Luxo Jr. is the lamp from Pixar. You know, the, the very beginning, you'll see Pixar, and you'll see the lamp come bouncing through, um, um, boom, lands on the eye, and kind of looks around and everything. Um, they had that. It was actually would come out and do performances. It would actually come out on this wall, and it would move around, but it didn't last very long because apparently it was very, very hard to work with because it was very technologically advanced, and uh, it just didn't work. So much like the Yeti, like I mentioned last week with Animal Kingdom, it's not there anymore. Animation Courtyard is the home to attractions based on films and characters created by the Walt Disney Studios. Uh, entrance marked by a big square studio arch. As you're going into Hollywood Studios and you're going to Toy Story Mania, which probably 85% of you are, uh, you'll go through that studio arch. Uh, that was going to be the starting point for the, uh, the, the studio backlot tour. Um, you'll see the, the magic of Disney animation. Well, ha- That's where the Star Wars launch bay actually is. It's back there where you get to meet Darth Vader, Chewbacca, and Kylo Ren. Mickey Avenue is there. Uh, where they have a walkthrough exhibit to Walt Disney Presents, which is where uh, you get the the old One Man's Dream. Um, there's like a little biographical film at the end of One Man's Dream, created, narrated by Julie Andrews, which is kind of fun. Disney Junior Live on stage is there. It's uh, puppet characters from Disney Junior, uh, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, Doc McStuffins, Sophia the First, and so on. Voyage of the Little Mermaid using glow in the dark puppets and lasers and music and projectors and actors and water and all that fun stuff to recreate the story. Uh, girls love it. Boys like it. Okay, I've been to the show a couple times. It's not something I go to. And Unless I have children with me. Uh, it's kind of creepy, I guess. Uh, Sunset Boulevard, uh, inspired by the real thoroughfare of the same name, was the first expansion of the park and opened in July 1994. Now, the focal point of the, the Sunset Boulevard is, of course, the Tower of Terror. It's a thrill ride based on Twilight Zone. Uh, rock and roller coasters down the hill from there, so it's right there together. And as you walk over to the Tower of Terror, it's kind of interesting because you'll notice the Hollywood Tower uh, Hotel sign is right in the middle of the building. Okay, it's right in the middle of the building. It was supposed to be up top, but it's in the middle because 
because um, there was a mistake that was made right around that area there. And they had to cover it up. Instead of having to redo stuff and rebuild it, they had to cover it up. So they had to put the sign, bring the sign down to cover up whatever mistake was made uh, because the, there, have, there has to be an opening there. Um, because as you're on the Tower of Terror, the, the elevator goes to the top and it opens up and you can see out over the park and into a parking lot and everything. And somehow or another, they messed some fa- part of the facade up. So instead of redoing that, they just moved the sign down. So that's why the sign's in the middle. You'll also notice, too, that the color of of uh, the backside of Tower of Terror, which I don't know if you'll see the backside, but the color is kind of an off-orangish color, kind of a beige-ish orangish, and that's because when you're in Epcot and you're standing in the Morocco uh, Morocco Pavilion or you're standing in that area looking at Morocco, you can see the Tower of Terror. Morocco has a very color scheme to it, very orangish, beige-ish color scheme to it, and they wanted to make sure that if you could see the back of Tower of Terror, that it blended in so it wasn't like this Moroccan scene with this ugly brown building in the in the distance. They They... Put it that way so you would kind of all blend in. So so there you go. And, of course, Toy Story Land opening up. It's an 11-acre land which will encompass Toy Story Mania, which is over in Pixar Place now. It would also have the uh, the Slinky Dog Dash Coaster, and it's going to have the um, – uh, it's going to have the – the alien swirling saucers are going to be there as well. Uh, of course, Galaxy's Edge, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, 14 acres. It's going to be opened up it, over in the corner of Hollywood Studios as well. That's going to open up sometime in 2019. Construction began on April 14, 2016, opening in 2019. So you're looking about a three-year process. There will be a Millennium Falcon and ride that will allow guests to be in control of a customized secret mission, and the second attraction will place guests in a climactic battle between the First Order and the Resistance. So those expansions will be opened up, and they are expected to cost close to $1 billion. $1 billion. Hollywood Studios has done, because it is it was a, a working movie studio and a working studio itself, they had a lot of events there, too. They had Star Wars Weekends, which happened... I don't know, 15 years in a row now, 15, 18 years in a row. They haven't done them in a couple of years, but they were, they would basically be like April, May, and June, May and June, July, something like that. They would do every weekend. They would have Star Wars fans and celebrities for special park events. Uh, Fridays and through Sundays throughout, through most of the early summer, the 501st Legion, which is a worldwide Star Wars costume group, would parade through the park with stormtroopers and TIE fighters and biker scouts and rebel soldiers. Several Star Wars actors, voice actors and stuff would appear there. You know, you could go on the weekend when Darth Maul was there or Ray Parks playing Darth Maul. Mark Hamill has made an appearance there. Um, they've done all kinds of things there. They did ABC Super Sub Weekend uh, up until 2008 where they actually had, uh, you know, it was like an, an event for soap opera fans for ABC. Guests could meet stars from All My Children, One Life to Live, General Hospital and such. So all that was there. ESPN The Weekend was there up until July 2011. Of course, they own ESPN. Disney does. They had all kinds of sports celebrities and all their shows would be from there. Sports Center and so on. That was all ESPN The Weekend. And the Osborne Family Spectacle of Dancing Lights was there as well. Um which took place November to very early January. It took over the streets of America during the Christmas season, and we've gone over that. We've talked about that over Christmas, and maybe maybe next Christmas we'll kind of run through that again. But uh, the display featured 5 million Christmas lights on 350 miles of wire, and it is an event to behold, or it was until they canceled it in 2015 because they had to remove the streets of America so they can build Toy Story and Star Wars Land. So that's why all that has gone there. So, so there's your kind of little recap of the Hollywood Studios. Kind of a quick run through as well. Um, and one of the things scoping up where the Great Movie Ride is. Great Movie Ride used to be in uh, um, uh, used to be in the Chinese Theater. Go in and you would basically take a tour of all the rides. And the the queue. And this is the last thing I'll do with Hollywood Studios. And then we'll kind of end up here. Um, but the queue was really cool because you had this this long line of switchbacks. But they had a big movie screen and they were showing trailers 
from different movies. The trailers for Mary Poppins, the trailer for Aliens, the trailer for The Searchers, the trailer for, you know, uh, Jimmy Cagney movies, um, like, uh, you know, whatever, the Spotlight Parade and all that was all there. Uh, So you see the actual trailers. Now, you get into the ride itself and it would take you through a scene from each of these movies and a lot of animatronics and stuff. Um, It got to be a little cheesy towards the end there because there's one, there's, there's two things that would happen. Either there would be a, a gangster scene where a gangster shootout would be happening there in front of you, like real live characters and real live actors were there, and and the 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 host or the whoever was in charge of the the tram would get off, and like a gangster would get on take over, and it would take you all the way through some other movie scenes until you get to the Indiana Jones scene where the gangster would jump off and go try to 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 to, to steal the treasure, and the original host of the tram would come back and take over and win the day. Um, they also had a cowboy that would do this instead of a gangster. Now, if done right, this is a lot of fun. This is a whole lot of fun. If if you have somebody that really does this this ride right, um, really gets into it, really plays their part well, it's a lot of fun. If you have somebody that it's okay, let's just say if you have somebody who's not a good actor, if you have somebody who's not very good for that part, there are you know fifty five, seventy five thousand employees at Disney World. Not everybody is suited for every role on stage. And there were sometimes they would put people in that cowboy role or that mobster role that just weren't good at it, and it ruined the experience. And that's that was kind of the, and then happened towards I guess the end of the great movie rides life. Kind of I feel like they just kind of started throwing people in there because they knew they were going to close it at a certain point. Um, some of the rides stopped working as you go through. The first scene you saw was the spotlight parade. I'm sorry, footlight parade. Footlight parade, an old movie from the 30s or 40s, and you had this big like pyramid of 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 dancing dancing people there, and the whole thing used to rotate, and it suddenly it did. The singing in the rain one was the next one, and sometimes the rain didn't work, so you basically would be singing with no rain. Uh, you know, you go through the Mary Poppins scene. Uh, sometimes that didn't work. The Tarzan scene I've seen before where Tarzan actually didn't swing. All he did was yell. There were things that just weren't working, and I think towards the end of it there, Disney was like, we're not going to fix this because we're about to close it. And they did. They closed it up. And I think that people went crazy over it closing because it was one of the original rides. That and Studio Backlot Tour, which had already closed, and so now there's nothing from the original day, pretty much, that's open. Um, I had no problem with a great movie ride closing if they weren't going to fix it. I think they could have fixed it, and I think they could have updated this thing just all along. Every couple of years, put a new scene in. It would have been cool. It would have been awesome. They closed it. Now they're going to make something called uh, Mickey's Runaway Railway. It's a new trackless ride system. It's it's like three and a half D is what they're saying. I don't really know what that means, but it's three D without the three D glasses, which should be pretty cool. It's going to be a cool ride. I'm looking forward to it. I do kind of miss the Great Movie Ride, but I really kind of miss what the Great Movie Ride could have been. Um, so that's uh, that's just something to ponder there. I mean, what co- what could they have done with that and really made it cool? Uh, they could have put new rides in, like I said, and just you know that could have been like the focal point of the whole park is you know you go see the new ride every two years, a new attraction went in or a new scene. They close it down for three or four months to put a new scene in. It'd been awesome, but it is what it is. So that has closed down. But uh, Hollywood Studios, I love Hollywood Studios. It's it's just a fun park. It's not an all day park right now. It will be very soon though. Um, let me just tell you. If you're going to Disney World, of course I am a Disney travel planner. Free dining just got released, and we've been working on that like crazy. There is still some availability for dates in September and some in December. November's hard. We'll tell you that. But if you're going to go to Disney World and you're thinking to yourself, let me go when Star Wars opens, it's going to be insane. It's going to be so, so busy for months and months and months and months. And even now, one year later, after Avatar is open, after Flight of Passage is open, it is still a good two to three hour wait on busy days for Flight of Passage. 
Seven Doors Mine Train has been open now for four, five, six years now, and it is still a good 90-minute wait on busy days. On slow days, you're still looking at 45 minutes to an hour. So please don't think to yourself, oh, I'll just go when Star Wars slows down. No, that means you're going to go like 2026 if it, ever, if it ever slows down. So that's just something to consider. If you're thinking about going to Disney World, contact me, dollar at gmail.com. I would love to talk to you about that. Um, also, I want to let you know, too, that a lot of the news I got here is uh, from WDW News Today uh, and, of course, the Hollywood Studios Wikipedia page. I want to make sure I give credit where credit is due. They did the research. I just did some of the reading and some of the research and put well, some notes from that. So that's where I got this information here about Hollywood Studios. Kind of paired it and made it my own. Just told some stories like I always do. So, anyway, that's our show today. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll talk next week about the Avengers. We're going to have a not a full Avengers show, but I do want to talk about Infinity War. We'll do no spoilers and then we'll do some spoilers towards the end of the show. It's a great movie, though. If you haven't seen it, go see the movie. The movie is fantastic. I loved it. I want to go see it again. I would have gone to see it again today, but I had to come talk to you fine people and give you some Disney for your ear holes. Um, again, my name is Dave, and you can find me at dollar at gmail.com. If you have information about the podcast or you want to know about the podcast, podcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Follow me on the Twitters at Disney on a dollar. Follow me on Instagram at Magic on a dollar. Find me on both Disney on a dollar and Magic on a dollar on Facebook. I'd love to talk to you. Just send me a message. Shoot me a text. Do whatever. Uh, if you want to talk to me, I'm I'm pretty open there. So uh, don't forget. MyResumeLady.com is our sponsor. Thank you so much for joining us. And don't forget to thank a Phoenician. <laughs>